plastic waste in our oceans is set to triple in the next 20 years. How can we help solve that at a local scale? Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and prosperity. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting to those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and to our monthly edition of Circular Insights. Welcome back. It's episode 71. And if you're new to this podcast, thanks for tuning in. When we first interviewed Rob Thompson of Odyssey Innovation in 2020, we heard how he'd been involved in lots of beach cleanups around the southwest tip of the UK where he lived. You probably already know that waste plastic is in all of our oceans and seas and some of it washes up on beaches. It's packaging, it's from the fishing boats and it's other plastic waste. In episode 39, Rob told us how he'd been puzzling with how to solve the beach and marine plastics issue. And he realised there were three key problems. First, how to cover the inaccessible coves, estuaries and other areas that regular beach cleaners couldn't get to. Secondly, how to dispose of the plastic collected from the cleanup operations. Finally, and critically, how to pay for the running costs of doing everything. Out of that set of problems came Odyssey Innovation, which collects and recycles marine plastic into kayaks and other products. Since then, Rob's been working on how to expand this to help the fishing industry recycle more of their end-of-use nets and other plastics. He'd already come up with a solution that could apply to other areas of the UK, but how would he make it all work practically at a much bigger scale? Rob's going to tell us about the Net Regeneration Scheme, which is the third project to be officially endorsed by the Global Ghost Gear Initiative. Rob explains some of the challenges involved in expanding the scheme, tells us more about the complexities of the materials they're collecting, how they've set up recycling solutions for the easy and difficult to recycle materials, and how they've developed an exciting new product made from the recycled marine plastics. So let's hear from Rob and I'll jump back in afterwards with what I took away from our conversation. Rob Thompson is a multi-award winning innovator, a marine conservationist and a social entrepreneur. Rob, welcome back to the Circular Economy podcast. In episode 39, we heard how you created a brilliant circular model using plastic waste to help collect more plastic waste and how you found ways to develop viable recycling routes for many of the wide range of plastics getting into the oceans. You'd already developed kayaks from recycled marine plastics to raise awareness and help fund the operations, and you were starting to talk to other councils around the UK. Could you pick up the story from there and tell us what's happened since? Okay, yeah. Um, So one of our ambitions really has been to try and create a scheme that's replicable, that um, we know what we're doing, um, provides a valuable resource to 
um, charities in different communities for the beach being plastic, but also very importantly to us, the fishing communities. And um, we've been trying to develop a scheme which we can replicate around the UK because there's obviously a sort of a huge need for this everywhere, really. We're, um, we're regularly contacted by different members of um, communities wanting to become involved in this. And um, we've recently been supported um, by the Welsh Government through um, a successful government tender to try and replicate their net regeneration scheme up and th throughout the coastline of Wales. Um, so over the last several months, what we've been doing is, uh, well, the initial outreach and engagement and starting to put some infrastructure in place to um, start recycling some of the fishing gear and try and do the same as what we've done in the Southwest. So we also have a community element to that of tying that back in with um, some of the other charities like Surfers Against Sewage and Keep Wales Tidy are also a partner there. Um, from the fishing industry perspective, Seafish are also a, uh, a partner of us to help with the scheme and obviously the Welsh Government to try and create a scheme which um, helps with prevention of marine waste through offering sort of free recycling of fishing gear and um, also the recovery of waste by having those recycling routes in place um, to be able to sort of add beach clean waste into and any fishing gear that might be being recovered from fishing operations because um, we also it's also good to remember that the fishermen often um, recover fishing gear through that's been lost previously um, through their uh, various fishing operations. And what we basically do is remove any cost barriers involved in recovery of plastic by offering um, free recycling facilities. Um, so it's initially a 12 month pilot project supported by the Welsh Government to help us put the infrastructure in place, do the outreach and get those recycling routes up and established. And uh, again, proof of concept that we can make it work, that um, it's a new region for us um the challenge in that obviously are um working with different stakeholders doing a lot of more engagement with um trying to make sure the scheme's accessible so we've had like all the all of our sort of recycling guidelines and things translated into the welsh language as well to make sure that it's accessible for all um and the idea is we'll be continuing initially to be working with our partner exeter city council and uh, we'll be taking the waste, we'll be going down there, we'll be sorting through everything. It'll all be um, identified into its different polymer types, weighed, bailed if necessary, and we'll be finding the various appropriate routes for that material. And we'll have the data from that as well then to help sort of, um, well, e evidence of supply chains, I suppose, and the material supply chain and the potential recycling routes for that gear. Um, and help us with building that evidence. Um, I also work with Plymouth University as part of their Indigo project, which is based mostly around sustainability within the fishing industry when it comes to um, gear types. So it's looking at um, the recycling routes, how much potential gear is out there, um, what the potential is for getting that back into the circular economy, how the circular economy can work with other elements as well. So looking at um, the actual design of gear in the first place, you know, if the composition of fishing gear is a challenge to its recyclability, then maybe there could be some work around gear design to make it more recyclable in the first instance. Um, and also look at potentially going as far as developing new um, alternatives to traditional polymers, which are biodegradable, um, which is more the sort of French counterpart. So looking at developing an alternative to nylon fishing line, um, trying to create a biodegradable alternative to nylon fishing line. Um, which is sort of 
early days yet, but they're having some successes with it. Um, so yeah, the, the, pro the Indigo project is very much around the sort of sustainability and the circular economy within the fishing sector and how to sort of increase sustainability and recycling rates. Um, yeah, because yeah, so we've had a lot of in yeah, sorry, sorry. when we were talking um, ahead of the podcast, um, you know, I was kind of um, initially shocked and then you kind of think, well, you know, why wouldn't it be complicated? But the number of different materials, I think you said 600 um, different types of, of materials um, in the various types of fishing gear. So like like most things, once you once you kind of um, know more about it, you realise just how complicated it is. And I think, again, a lot of people um, probably won't realise that fishing crews if they if they're bringing back nets that that um you know have they're damaged or whatever and they need to go into a recycling system that they have to pay for that and so then when fishermen are, are seeing other discarded nets in the in the water um not only have they got to make an extra effort to collect those but they know there's going to be a cost when they come back into harbor so you know it's really stacked against isn't it bringing back those those um that uh, ghost gear, I think, is the is the industry term for it, isn't it? The you know the the nets and the discarded gear that's out there that nobody knows who they belong to. Yeah, um, there is definitely financial challenges with recycling anything that comes from the fishing industry. You, um, it has the worst elements that you could have really when trying to create a recycling scheme. You're, you're working with um, a problematic material. To, to recycle in the first place due to sort of mixed compositions. Um, I know one of our recycling partners, Plastics, um, they've identified um, up to 900 different combinations um, that make up the fishing gear they've had in for recycling. So that's one of the big challenges because most of your, most of our recycling routes in the UK are based around very standardized materials. It's your sort of um, pet bottles and your HDPEs and um, it's, going to that extent of trying to recycle sort of mixed materials of um, a low value is, is a real challenge economically. Um, and the other challenges um, with trying to create recycling routes are usually remote locations, um, obviously making the logistics more expensive, which is one of the largest overheads, um, and the low value of it. So you've got low value material from remote locations, which is problematic to recycle. So it's got all the sort of Mm. worst combinations if you like for trying to get this into recycling routes um but that doesn't make it not valuable it makes it more valuable <laughs> we kind of get those recycling routes up and running you know they, that's the reason there's such a need for this really is to try and create systems which are as low cost as possible that are as simple as possible um, for people to partake in um and for us it's always key to offer this as a free service to the fishing communities because um we do rely on a lot of goodwill from them in the first place to sort of have that change of practice if you like and put the extra little bit of effort in to bag this stuff separately for us um so they're already sort of doing what they can on that front um and putting in the extra little bit of work and um so for us it has to be sort of free to them and um it's nice to be on shows like this where we can really kind of showcase what they are doing and mm. promote that they are now um, doing the right things when it comes to sustainability and yeah yeah um, and recycling. That can, you know just making it super easy for people you know helps engage them and then and then they realize how much better they feel internally um about about doing the right thing and that's then starts to build momentum and i thought it was interesting what you were saying about um you know 
even even in the Welsh project, um, which is quite a long way from from Exeter, um, that in the pilot stages you're going to be partnering with Exeter City Council and that they'll be doing the initial recycling and very importantly the data collection. And I think that's that's you know that, that sounds like a really good way of um, proving the case and um, mm. you know working out where you need investment in what across Wales um, and you know really helping to make make the business case for what kind of volumes you're likely to see of each thing and so on so that that sounds like a really good way of um, getting the pilot going and and helping build the numbers that you need to then scale it out yeah i think so so one of the sort of challenges really is just identifying the different fishing gear types and the different types of materials we'll be getting through and the volumes of those which are all really important to a recycler um and you can theoretically model this stuff as much as you want but there's nothing beats this kind of practically going out there and doing it there's a sort of pilot study and um it might be that we then um if we can identify that we have a certain amount of plastic which is easily processed in the uk and there's a partner in wales that's capable of recycling those it's a lot easier to go to them with that proposal once you've got the data there and be able to say this is what we've got coming through and um having it is realistic sort of ongoing data as well so quite often um, you might have a surge of material come in when you first engage a new harbour. There'll be a legacy of waste that's been kicking around for a long period of time that they really know how to deal with. Um, so you might get a sort of upsurge of material, and then it might take several months before you get the idea of how regularly this material is coming through and the types of materials. So it can take up to 12 months to kind of get a clear picture, really, of mm. the sort of material flow, if you like. Um, and it's that kind of data that's really more attractive to recyclers to be able to know will consistently be having these materials coming through at these sort of periodic times throughout the year. Yeah, definitely. I can see see the sense of that. And you've also been um, working on um, R&D for, for products made out of recycled plastics, haven't you? Um, moving on from the kayaks and, and um, into a, into something new. Yeah, so a, a couple of things, actually. Um, again, the same principle that was working with the kayaks, we want to make something that... Um, is relevant to different demographics and helps push home the, the story around sort of marine waste and that it can be utilized uh well with the kayaks for recreation but also for recovery of marine waste so we we're using those for our paddle for plastic campaign to recover waste from around the coastline um since then we was working with another company to make recycling bins and litter bins and they've been put out on in some of the harbors like um foy on their marina they put some on their floating pontoons for, for when the sailing boats come in they've got somewhere to put the material that they're, they're um bringing in and recycle the waste um and obviously there's a nice little story there around the fact the bins are made and they're made partly from fishing nets as well um we've done that in the past as well with some sort of um we've made grip bins to go on beaches next to things like two minute beach clean boards for people to put the beach clean plastic in um and the latest product which um re recently launched only a month or two ago um was a surfing hand plane so um most people say what's a surfing hand plane yeah me um, too <laughs> <laughs> and, we're, and we're not we're not putting the um the video out so even if you had one <laughs> you're still gonna okay. have to describe it for those who were who were sitting there like me going hmm what on earth is that? <laughs> okay. Um, well, if you can picture body surfing, so going in surfing without a board whatsoever, just playing about in the waves, trying to catch the waves using your body as the board almost, then a surfing hand plane is something about 30 centimetres long. It's not much bigger than a sort of dinner plate with a strap that you fix onto your hand. And basically, 
when you try and catch a wave, you put your hand out in front of you and that bit you push down on the wave with and it just basically helps you body surf the wave in. So it basically makes that experience of body surfing a lot more successful, really. So it helps you sort of catch the waves and uh, catch them for longer as well. Um, so, so, so you don't have a bodyboard as well? It's it's just, You don't have a bodyboard as well. Right, so it's, it's just you... Um, in your, I was going to say naked, but yeah, you with your with your swimming kit on, um, yeah, and then yeah, and then yeah. this thirty centimeter uh, plate. Okay, right. That, I'm that's starting right. to You're get the picture full now. Contact, I suppose, with the yeah. wave. Um, a pair of fins help as well with catching wave, obviously. Um, but yeah, it seems to be a sort of increasing um, trend. It has been around for a while, but there seems to be sort of uh, local competitions and things starting now around sort of hand plane surfing. Um, it's quite an easy sport for people to get into. So even experienced surfers are into it because it's something they do on the sort of smaller wave days or the messier days. You can still go out and play about and have good fun on the waves, but right the way through to your basic beginner that just wants to go in and just play about in the surf. It's, they're also very accessible for. Um, and the reason for wanting to develop the hand planes again was tapping into another demographic. So uh, for us, the surfing community has all the right sort of aptitudes when it comes to um, conservation and the marine environment because they're um, relying on the marine environment for their recreation. They're, they're spending long periods of time out there bobbing about on the waves, sucking in all that kind of good vibe energy, positive energy from the ocean. Um, so they've got quite a sort of holistic mentality in some ways around that. Um, and there's countless amounts of pieces of evidence out there to say how beneficial that is for us. Um, to be in the sea in that way. Um, so in some ways, they have this very holistic approach and it doesn't, unfortunately, always align with conservation and sustainability because more often than not, you're going to be on a fiberglass surfboard that's non-recyclable in a neoprene wetsuit that's non-recyclable. Um, so what we wanted to try and do is create a surf-related product which would tie in the marine plastic story and get them thinking about waste as resource and all those kind of things, really. Um, we didn't go down the surfboard route because plastic surfboards are, would be very difficult to get uptake on. So they're going to be very heavy and clumbersome. Um, the hand planes are the perfect product to make um, out of those, really. You can make a small, lightweight board that is sort of easy for people to use um, and sort of pulls in that story around the circular economy, around surfing, around sustainability. And um, the hand planes are made in Plymouth um they're made mostly from fishing gear at the moment we're trying different polymers as well for marine waste in them um the, they have a wrist strap on them which is like a, which holds it to the back of your hand um and that's made out of recycled neoprene uh, from either end of life wetsuits that we'll be collecting in now to be recycled or from uh, offcuts from manufacturing when they're making new neoprene products um and the webbing's also recycled so we're trying to kind of help solve one of those challenges as well around these wetsuits not being recycled we're not technically recycling them we're upcycling them into other products basically um which is the best thing we could think of doing with them so again sort of trying to sort of tie in um with trying to create sustainable products basically and overcome some of the challenges faced by marine pollution and plastic pollution as a whole yeah and I, and kind of thinking of other advantages of the of the hand plane um, you know, you could e easily get that in your in your bag for going away for a weekend, which means you can then go by public transport, you know, train or bus or whatever. Whereas a surfboard, um, you know, I have seen those on trains, but 
<laughs> you'd probably be a bit paranoid about and and there's all the you know faff of trying to lug it lug it around when you get to the other end so yeah hand playing sounds um sounds like a um a sport that will uh, that will take off further um and i love the idea of the you know the offcuts and the waist neoprene and and so on as well so um yeah i think it's i can i can see how you're thinking really holistically and and kind of um you know bringing in other angles not just the beach waste but what other problems can we a do a little bit towards solving and b raise awareness about things that people haven't haven't considered um so it's a it's a whole mindset thing and i also love um you know that you've identified the demographic that's already um focused on some of the issues around the sport that they love and how can they um do something that helps helps their sport and helps the the bigger environment so that's brilliant so yeah um well maybe maybe we should plan another um catch up in um a couple of years and and uh, you know i'm sure there'll be a list of three or four big projects that you've moved forward on that we can share with with listeners um so um, yeah hope hopefully yes i mean our, our key thing now going forward is um consolidating the work we've we've done really and trying to replicate and expand so we're looking now for stakeholders in other regions around the uk that are also interested in recycling um beach clean plastic and harbor marine waste um so we're looking for um different stakeholders to help us expand really because stakeholder engagement is absolutely vital in what we do um the recycling schemes especially are 100 percent reliant on collaboration it does it require um, a lot of goodwill and a lot of other people seeing the value in what we're doing and wanting to engage and kind of support us in whichever way they can on the ground um, and having local people on the ground that um, have a real interest in making it happen is absolutely essential um, very difficult thing to quantify so very difficult thing to put into your traditional business model but actually goodwill is something that should never be underestimated in this kind of thing yeah i think i think you're absolutely right um but the you know the the good thing is particularly over the last couple of years with the lockdown and so on and many of us taking a uh, you know different approach to what's important about um quality of life and the things like that that more and more people are starting to think differently about um being in nature the importance of looking after nature um and changing our lifestyle so that we've got better work life balance and we're being more thoughtful about um you know what we're choosing to spend our money on um, so yeah, I think I think uh, there's exciting times ahead. So thanks, Rob. Um, that's that's a really interesting update and and uh, lots of takeaways in that. And good luck with the next phases of what you do at Odyssey Innovation and and uh, with partners. Um, you know, you're you're already into a new country, aren't you? So who knows what's what's next? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it was, it was a really valuable catch up. Thank you. It was fascinating to hear how much thought Rob put into coming up with the right kind of products to make. I love that the products made from the recycled materials, the kayaks, hand surfing planes, beach litter bins and awareness boards, all help engage people in the need to avoid creating marine and plastic waste, to think about what they buy and to encourage them to be part of the solution. And of course, the revenue from the products helps fund the infrastructure and people to run the operations. The problem sounds incredibly complicated. 
Rob talked about 900 different combinations of materials in the fishing gear and other stuff they're collecting. As far as we know, this is still the only scheme in the UK that offers free recycling solutions for fishing nets, for polyethylene trawl, nylon and other plastic generated and recovered by the fishing industry. Everything that can be recycled in the UK is recycled locally, while specialist recyclers in Europe are involved for more problematic materials. Rob showed the power of working out who all your stakeholders might be and how to engage them. I was impressed by Rob's progress in making all those connections and setting up collaboration opportunities with recycling companies, the local government and its recycling teams, with the fishing industry and organisations like the Ocean Recovery Project and the Paddle for Plastic campaign. So far, the operations support the ambitions of over 60 stakeholders. Rob seems to be continually exploring different routes to creating and encouraging the right infrastructure and methods of separation to recover value from all the different types of materials and get them back into the relevant supply chains. Odyssey Innovation is now working with harbours around the southwest, and as Rob said, they'd like to expand to other areas of the UK. This is something that could work around the world. Rob has created a brilliant circular model using plastic waste to help collect more plastic waste. And he's found ways to tap into or set up viable recycling routes for many of the wide range of plastics getting into the oceans. A quick bit of Rethink Global news. I'm regretting going against my gut feel to bid for an interesting circular economy research and mapping project. Several of us put lots of time into it over Christmas and we were told we'd scored the highest points, but then it turns out the project hasn't been approved by the client's finance team. So that's messed up my schedule for writing and for my online challenge. My apologies to the people who've signed up for that. I'm now planning to run the challenge in late February or early March. It's for businesses that want to get started on the circular economy. I'll be using parts of the book I'm writing now to help people understand how the circular economy can help their business become more future fit and to work out where to start. It'll run over four weeks and there'll be short videos and daily challenges. Before I launch it out to the wider world, I'm planning a free beta version for people from small and medium businesses. There are still a few places left, so if that sounds right for you, please get in touch on LinkedIn or email hello at rethinkglobal.info. If you've already signed up, I'll be in touch about the new dates. So that's it for this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. As always, if you like this episode, please tell others about it. Thank you to our guest this week, Rob Thompson, founder of Odyssey Innovation. Thanks to Annabelle Tonner for making this episode possible. And thank you for listening. You can find out more and follow Rob and Odyssey Innovation on social media. You can check out all the links we mentioned in the show notes at thecirculeconomypodcast.com. If you want to find episodes on a particular circular economy strategy or for a market sector or specific countries, check out our interactive podcast index. There's a link on the podcast homepage at www.circulareconomypodcast.com. 
and every episode includes an interview transcript. Don't forget that you can help make the circular economy happen too, with the choices you make at work and in your everyday life. Buying pre-used, keeping what you have for longer, repairing it and making sure it has another life. And you can help spread the word, talk about the circular economy and help other people find this podcast by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app. Email a screenshot of your review to podcast at rethinkglobal.info and we'll give you a shout out on the show. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one and two or buy a copy of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business. The book takes you through the concepts and practicalities with lots of real examples from all around the world. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you succeed with Circular. You can find information on our talks, workshops, coaching and advice and Circular Economy resources at www.rethinkglobal.info or connect with me, Catherine Wheatman, on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for listening to the end and if you like what you're hearing, please hit subscribe. And we'll see you next time.